Ready? Engage. Ooh. Uh, we could start by... Hello! <laughs> Subspace, 24. That means well. two two years of doing a We Were Gamers subspace transmission pod once a month. It doesn't Man. feel like that. It does not feel like that. That's. I'm shocked that we've been doing this that long somehow. I. I can believe it, but I also enjoyed it so much that I don't believe it. Yeah. Oh boy! Normally, this pod would be Discovery Season Two Short Treks, but I think yeah, we've are th- there <laughs> are there are short treks for Season Two. Okay, I should watch those. Season three is coming up soon. Season three has officially started as of yesterday. Last night was the first episode of Discovery Season three. So we're gonna have to figure that out. <laughs> oh man, oh, I didn't realize it started like last night. I thought it was yep. coming later this week or something. But mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. okay. They wow, they great. ended lower decks last week and Discovery this week and. When Discovery ends, I'm sure we'll get something else because, like we said uh, the other day when we were talking about streaming services, I think that maybe this is just a Star Trek service from now on. Yeah. They're going to make sure they have Star Trek going every single week so that you stay subscribed every single month. Yeah. It's okay. Not wrong. It's okay. I mean... If what is it? If you pay what five ninety nine to have ads or something like that? I don't even know anymore. Not I don't even, even know anymore either. Know. But let's say it's ten dollars. Ten dollars yeah. times twelve. I call it a donation to good writing. Hopefully, that means we get a lot of Star Trek in our our lives. Well, I, I hope that it's good writing. Yeah, That's you hope, hope, right? It's, no, they're not all yeah. going to be winners. No. It would be nice though. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think thus far we have gotten relatively lucky in that a lot of them are pretty good. Yeah, I think Discovery uh, Discovery has branched out to be very unique of an experience for a lot of people. And there's a lot of memes on the internet about Discovery is also Star Trek, that kind of stuff. Um, because yeah. I think there's a band of of people that might not accept it as easily or think it's just so disconnected from what we've had going on. Uh, and it, it's, it's a unique experience. It's very action oriented. Yeah. The whole, for, good and for, for bad, you know, on that front for sure. It's tough to say that season two wasn't a huge setup to bring back the enterprise and Spock. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, when, when it ends on literally an ad for, Hey, uh, strange new worlds is coming. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an odd experience, but I think on the whole, it's been enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And now we have other Trek to talk about. I think we should talk about Picard for a minute first. Okay. Let's do it, man. I think I have mentioned on here, and I mentioned to you a couple times, that I have read a book. One book has been read in my life. Wow. Uh, Literature exists. We're acknowledging it for the first time on this podcast here today. (laughs) 
Well, there's a whole universe of Star Trek books, and they used to be extremely popular. I have some on the shelf behind me that, like, William Shatner used to write fiction books about Captain Kirk. Like, I st- read uh, some of these books when I was in, like, uh, like middle school and junior high. It definitely feels like there was a heyday of Star Trek and Star Wars books somewhere in that age for us. Mm-hmm. I know Star Wars books are back. You don't have to email. Uh, they're doing a good job of publishing those Star Trek books. Um, they have a good lineup coming. There's like... Oh, that's interesting. There's Well, there's like a slowly been a developing series of Discovery books. Hmm. Uh, I have a second one written by a guy that I like, John Jackson Miller who's a comic book artist and a sci-fi, not artist, uh, writer, comic book writer and a sci-fi writer. Author. author okay. Correct, yeah. Um, which a lot of the Discovery ones seem like that you don't have to read them in order or anything. They're just sort of side stories. And the oh, John Jackson okay. Miller one is called The Enterprise War, which is what was the Enterprise doing during the Klingon War? And I was like, well, that's hardly a Discovery book, but I guess it is technically. So I grabbed that one. Um, all as well. Look, man, I'll take that over. Like seven part series in yeah. which you must read everything in order, yeah. and also like, are, is the fifth, a sixth, and seventh book ever going to come out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the one I've been alluding to is called Star Trek: Picard, The Last Best Hope. Okay. What would you guess on the title that that book is about? So the fact that it's called Star Trek Picard and not like Star Trek The Next Generation or something makes me assume that it is based in the like Picard part of the timeline. Correct. Such as like the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And either this is a some sort of novelization of the series or some kind of side story happening in or around the time of the show Picard. What if it was just everything you had questions about at the beginning of that show? This is the literally the backstory <laughs> that they didn't show or tell ever. Yep. Pretty garbage, dude. <laughs> Not really excited to hear this. I wonder if this is Michael Chabon who wrote most of Picard, he did not write this book, which is odd considering he is a very well-regarded novelist. Uh, I believe he has a Pulitzer Prize. All right. Well, I was just about to say uh, that was, is this just the screenwriter getting, doing a thing and being like, look, man, here's the, th- here's the script I couldn't write or they wouldn't let me write. Right. I don't know. It seems like his cliff notes for the backstory of a show that he didn't want to write. So, like, it seems like to me, I don't know that this is true. Okay? Okay. I don't know that this is true. But it seems like to me, a good writer would have figured all the stuff out about what happened before the show started. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, because they, this is st- like 
background stuff like this is important in order to have characters that can grow because you need to know where they were to know where they're going. And what happened to them to know why they are the way they are and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they act yeah. consistently, etc. Right. They they don't appear to have had any interest in ever starting the show before where they started it, right? They wanted to bring in Picard in a broken state. They wanted to bring in the story at the point that it was at so they could start where they wanted to start. Right. This seems like he wrote down all his notes about what happened to everybody and how it happened and why it happened. Except for the whole Romulan subplot, really. There's no there's no inclination that the Okay, spoilers for all of Picard starting now. Yes, the explosions on Mars were caused by anything. Like they don't they never figure that out in the book. That's okay. basically the end of the book. Which I mean, I guess Which fair be, because that of. that that is the story of Picard right. and like the show and they, but don't, they don't they don't they, let you in on that. There's no like it, sub it was chapters surprise, for right? the Romulans or anything in here. Okay. It's all roughly Picard's perspective. There's some other characters that they rock walk through and stuff like that, but just as a top level thing, and we'll talk about the book for like five more minutes or whatever, but like this is a top level thing. This seems like a lot of that, like, okay, uh, he's on the Enterprise to start this book. How does he get from the Enterprise to Broken Man on his estate? Literally, that entire run is in this book. So like, it must cover a sizable amount of time. A then. huge amount of time. Uh, there's a lot of time jumping because a lot of it is, well, then they warped there for a year and then they warped there for, you know, like there's a huge quadrant really? they got to do work on. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, the book, the book covers Picard a lot. Also, Rafi. Totally, totally different character in this book than in the show she is done so much more service by being in this book than just being introduced as that loser in the show right yeah like she's an upstanding extremely smart and a little bit crazy because she's you know overthinks everything starfleet officer in this right and it's like i think super important to have seen her this way i really was unhappy with Rafi in the show. Yeah. Well, she's... I mean, we, we talked about it on this very podcast. We did not like her character <laughs> until right. maybe the very end. And right. even then, questionable, right? Questionable. Absolutely questionable. I don't know that I still like her character in that capacity. But in the book, she's quite charming even in terms of her personality. Um, the way she handles Romulans, the way she is his right-hand ma- uh, man. <laughs> right-hand exo, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that woman that he talks to at the beginning of the show and asks for help the the one that's like the hubris of you the Starfleet the, woman the, the, admiral, the admiral or whatever yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. she's in this book Clancy, her name's Clancy and she's like a captain at the time uh, and you can like watch her build her way to being the next she's the uh, commander in chief of Starfleet at mm-hmm. the time of the show, but she's not 
at the time of this book. So you watch her build her way up. There's a lot of characters that I don't understand why they disappeared from the book and weren't in the show. And then there's the big indicator to me that this was done before the show is that there are characters missing from here that you would absolutely have expected them to be in the book. Like there's a cutout that ends up probably being one of the two Romulans that lives with Picard. Mm -hmm. There's a Romulan that becomes very close with Picard living on his starship as a like attache, I think is the right word. You know, yeah, like sure. the Romulan, the um, he's, he's Tal Shiar. He, you know, like saves Picard's okay. life. He watches Picard try to save Romulans and becomes like very much attached. Like you'd think that would be the character or characters that those two end up being, but they're not in this. And I know people can email if they want to podcast at we were gamers.com. I know there is a comic book. That introduces those two characters. But that comic book came after the show started. Mm -hmm. So this book is kind of like, it very much indicates to me that this was written before they had the whole show figured out. Or, or at least the, the notes were handed off beforehand and they started writing the book before they started filming anyway, at at which point they changed stuff. And then the book diverged. Totally possible. Yeah. There's a lot of annoying comments in here about like what future Picard thinks about past Picard, like asides and stuff like that, which mm. I didn't really like, which might have I, been them trying to tie it to the show better. Yeah. Um, I wonder, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, like, do you think that that, is that really literally like future Picard talking to himself about past Picard? Yes. What a weird device for it a It happens book. like a couple times in the book. It ha- Just a few times. But it's a very strange... Like That's why I'm saying I don't like it. It's very strange. And there's no like meta device or anything? No, used. there's no other meta device of like connecting this to the future. It's just like these random asides about like future Picard thinking of old Picard. And you're like, why are you doing this? Like, it seems very much so. That's mm-hmm. another indicator that they had to get things to tie a little better but i want to cover a few a few tiny things that i think you'll find funny um so when picard finally decides that he's going to take on this romulan mission uh there's a few things that i wonder how they're going to fit now that they're canon to other stories that have come before like in voyager and tng and stuff like that um so the enterprise goes to wharf The planet or the the Enterprise is now Worf's ship after he leaves. Worf is oh after to Picard leaves. Worf is promoted to captain. Worf yeah, okay. is promoted to captain because I think, as we found out in Lower Decks, Riker has already left for the Titan. <laughs> right. Is it confu- confusing then? Because the last anyone saw of Worf, or the last time I paid attention to Worf, I guess to be he fair, was on DS9. Sure, he was on DS Nine right. and was not captain of the defiant he was still commander there yes or was so he, he captain of the defiant at the end he was commander at the end of that i believe i don't think he got promoted to captain um okay so this does mention that he had come back from ds9 to xo the enterprise when Riker left uh i see yeah 
but everyone thought he'd get passed over because he's a Klingon and and the Enterprise is the flagship of the fleet and all that. Uh, but there's a really good piece of writing in there that's like, look, we promoted a Klingon to be f- flagship of the fleet. And there's a whole bunch of politics in this book. A lot of politics in this mm-hmm. book that I really should. I mean, I'll wrap it up at the end. But like, you know, they use him as an example of, hey, we got to help the Romulans. Look, the Klingons used to be our bitter enemies. And now Worf's in charge of a of our flagship. Like. Everybody right. chill. Um, so, like, Picard calls everyone at a certain point to try and get advice. And LaForge, this is a big thing that I don't understand how they don't mention in the show. LaForge leaves the Enterprise to go be the commander of the Mars shipyards. So, wait, LaForge was there? So, LaForge... They miraculously, LaForge was not there during the explosions. You know, miraculously in quotes, right? Obviously. I see. Uh, because he was headed to Earth to talk to Maddox. The book also has a huge backstory about Bruce Maddox. Which, it's- I mean, th- you need anyway, right? Because you don't really know who he is in Picard. They don't do a good job of explaining him. We found he was from one episode of yep. the next generation or whatever yeah i literally put in my notes here hey they explain in the book that he's the guy that tried to take apart data in tng yeah it really would have helped them to like have done the first few ep- maybe the just the first or first or second episode of picard have done quick like flashes of old scenes from tng and been like circle a guy <laughs> <laughs> well what's funny about it is that LaForge, as the creator of the... Well, he he works on Mars, right? And he has to create, with Maddox and this other person, the synthetics. Like, the synthetics don't exist before this book. They're created in this book. And LaForge has to work with Maddox. And they hate each other, partially because LaForge remembers what he did to Data, right? Like, there's this whole struggle that Picard somehow never struggles with once when they have to go find Bruce Maddox. He never is like, why do we have to find Bruce Maddox? That guy sucks. Uh, which he really does, by the way. This book proves it. <laughs> uh, but there's a whole backstory about him and his... I can't remember the name of his girlfriend um, that is in Girardi? the show. Yes. Yeah. There's all that backstory is in here, too. I really... I really wish this had been the first season of Picard and there had been a time jump. Mm. Because I, this this book reads like TNG. Yeah. Very heavily. And I think the author used to write. I can't remember her name and I should shout her out. Uh, so I'll look her up. Um, but the book reads like like vintage Picard, which it should, right? Because it's before he has all the problems. Una McCormick yeah. is her name, and she wrote a bunch of TNG books. Okay. Um, Interesting. So it, it has that style. It has that voice. And that's uh, probably why the space politics are so front and center, is there was right. a lot of space politics in TNG. Right. It's sure. absolutely space politics. So, yeah, there you go. Hmm. Interesting. Star Trek I Picard, am... The Last Best Hope. I think it's a. Uh, b plus book it's not like burning the doors down on being amazing Mm -hmm. um but given what the source material likely was it's 
dryish. You know, I've been uh, rereading a bunch of like straight fantasy novels, mm-hmm. and uh, some of them are certainly not the level of B plus. So, <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere in the B range, let's say. Okay, okay. I'm uh, some of that stuff you said seems like it's kind of shocking to me that they wouldn't have gone and mentioned it. Stuff like oh man, Jordy having helped create the synthetics and being on Mars, and then like. Being literally being the the commander of Mars. I I mean, like, here's the question, right? Like, why would Jordy allow himself to create a race of almost the level of indentured servants? Because that's kind of how they use the synthetics, right? If the synthetics are like fully aware and capable, they're not fully aware. They make a huge point about that in the book. They are literally just dead, like machines. The reason they have those bodies is because of the technical work they needed them to do. A lot of parts they, they put a they the book explains that there's a lot of parts on a starship that are handmade. Like they mention a couple I parts see. and they're like, these parts we have need- to be assembled by hand, and we can't make ten thousand rescue ships for the Romulans unless we have more hands. And we can't train human hands to do it in less than ten years. You know, you have to go through training to do this so we could program hands. And that's literally what they are. Like, they're programmed hands. So that Um, they can get into the weird spaces and assemble the EPS conduit or whatever. You know, everyone's everyone's in shock because they're like, well, they can't do this. They don't have the programming to do this. How did this happen? So that's Mm. the kind of end of the book. Um, Again, something that might have been good to explain right. to the so, people watching your show. Look, if you were really into Picard, if people listening, if were they were really into Picard, you should read this book. There's no reason you sh- you shouldn't read this book. If you kind of thought, like, I'm good with what Picard gave me, but I'm not, like, super into the universe or whatever, um, you could skip it. Like, they gave you enough in the show. But, like, this really opened a lot of, like, huh. I wonder why that wasn't like a thing that they wanted to mention in the show, which is kind of problematic and also enlightening. It makes me like the universe better of Picard, but that's not, it's not helpful to the show. Right. You know, like, right. It, the, but like, it's not helpful to the show, but also it helps you get grounded in that world that the show is treading in yeah and so it less feels like a bunch of stuff coming at you out of right field if they explain a little bit of where that stuff came from right and doubly so if you tie it back to characters that people know and i assume like oh yeah jordy and go like i mean jordy left the enterprise and he went over here and made this stuff and then you're like oh okay like yeah i mean spock's in the book like a lot of stuff happens in this book that you would Mm. expect well because remember spock Goes to the he was Romulan an ambassador. Home. He's the ambassador to Romulus, and right. um, in those Kelvin timelines, he's the one that tried to save the star and all that sort of mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had to be involved, and so like you get all that stuff in here too. How long is it in terms of like? Oh, not know, very long. Not very. A few long. hundred pages. Yeah, a couple or... hundred pages. Okay. It wasn't. It was an easy read. There's nothing crazy about it. Yeah. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as recommended, if you want more Picard or want Picard to make a little more sense, if you want to spend that amount of time. All right. 
that's enough on that book, I think. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We have also to cover because because Star Trek's coming at us fast. Since we talked last, literally an entire season of a Star Trek show has happened. <laughs> yeah, man. How how crazy is that? Ten episodes of a show called Star Trek Lower Decks. Well, it, we must have. It oh, must we have overlapped happened. a little bit, right? We, yeah. yeah, it definitely had been going when we recorded the last Discovery yeah. episode. So we um, got, uh, but yeah, uh, Titmouse and Mike McCann, Mick Mick McMahon, Mick McMahon, Nick Mick Mick Mike Mick Mike Mick McMahon, Mike McMahon, yeah, uh, who. Uh, just along like Tit- Titmouse worked on Rick and Morty. Uh, which... I was about to make a comment that, yeah, I could tell. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if you know what Rick and Morty is, if you don't know what Rick and Morty is, maybe you go look it up. This style of show is very much that style of show in a less ridiculous and offensive na- main way. I mean, that some of that comes down to the fact that, hey, uh, it's Star Trek. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Well, and, you know, the the writing and the people behind yeah. it, right? Like, there's no Justin Roiland involved in this. There's sure. no, um, you know, uh, shoot, the other, one of the other Rick and Morty creators whose name I forgot. Anyway, like, the they're not trying to do Rick and Morty here. Thankfully. But, yes. And, uh, but, <laughs> as I will, uh, I will talk about, when, in the first episode, you know, so, like, I was not sold coming into this show. I wasn't either. Like, I I was like, oh, they're doing an animated thing. It's going to be about like under decks people. Like, I don't know. Like, eh, okay. I mean, the, the idea is okay, but I don't yeah. know. Like, I saw the animation and it looked kind of a lot like Rick and Morty. It's Titmouse. All of it looks like that. There's no, you know. I was like, like are they tr- are they trying to do like a Star Trek Rick and Morty here? You, or are they trying to do some kind of like bad adventure time knockoff sure, or right. something if you do you know if you watch shonen jump you know what that show is gonna look like if you watch titmouse you know what that show is gonna look like yeah and so i was like dude i don't know about this and uh i watched the first one and i wasn't all the way sold on it at the end of the first one i was so like ah, okay the first one like, didn't turn me off okay let's the first one uh there's gonna be minor spoilers because i'm gonna recap them real quick Okay. Uh, we meet Tendi as she arrives on the Cerritos. You meet Boiler and Beckett, Boimler and Mariner, uh, right. who show her around the ship. They go to a planet. Boimler gets attacked by uh, what they discover to be a farm animal. The farm animal has unknowingly has the, what is it, the antidote to a virus that ransom played by Jerry O'Connell, by the way, who's awesome, mm-hmm. uh, has brought back to the ship and has infected the whole crew and turned them into, like, puke-spewing zombies. Uh, yep. They use the slime from Boimler to rescue the entire ship at the end. Yes. That's that's the kind of show you're in for most of the time, right? Yeah. Like, hijinks yeah. and ridiculous uh, one-liners while some sort of crazy plot happens that is not that expansive it is a uh the show also has like it it is nice that the show is pretty close to disconnected from each other right like you can it is disc yes so it is one of those types of episodic shows 
without a huge overarching plot every episode, but it is more like TNG in a lot of ways of we're going to follow roughly the same set of people and you're going to get to know them. But yeah, unlike Discovery, I knew all of these characters' names by the end of the first episode. Yep. Almost all of them. Like I, f- yep, yep. I still forget the security chief's name, but Shacks, Shacks. There we go. What a good name. I don't remember his last name. It doesn't matter. Shacks does. Shacks is just called Shacks. Yeah. Yes. But like name. you know everybody's name. You know what they're doing. You know who they like. You get it by the end of the first episode, and that's hard to. It's hard to parse for me because it's thirty minutes long. And by the end of season two of Discovery, I still can't tell you the other bridge officer's name other than Owo. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, the thing that this show does, right, that the other shows don't do, uh, or that Discovery does a bad job of, Discovery does a bad job of person saying other person's name. Right. They don't do like, right. hey, Owo, here is the thing I'm going to tell you. Right, of course. In this show, there's a lot of, hey, Boimler, will you do this for me? And then Boimler turns around and says, no, I don't want to because I'm a scaredy cat guy. Yeah. And then that's the whole thing. Like, right. you're like, oh, this is Boimler. And that's Mariner because she's out there teasing him. And like, there you go. I've learned everyone now. Yeah. Great yeah. job, I think. But yeah, I think end of first episode, I was like, well, they tried not to rock the boat here or do anything crazy. They just had a silly story. And introduced you to some characters, so I'm not going to make a judgment. Yeah, I I was not uh, against the show after watching the first one. I still wasn't sold, and uh, Mariner's uh, character kind of, I felt the rickening. Oh yeah, it was a little grating at first, wasn't it? And I was like, oh no, this is like the female Rick character they wrote that I'm not going to enjoy here. Mm -hmm. Uh, hmm, Not sure about this. And, like, look, Rick and Morty is a fine show. I've seen many episodes of it. I don't know if all of it. But you really got to want to watch Rick and Morty to watch Rick and Morty, man. It is its own thing. And Star Trek is not that thing for me. (laughs) So uh, I wasn't in, but, like, I wasn't wasn't out. I wasn't against it. I was like, okay, I need to see where this goes. I think we had equal fears. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, especially when they... Like the you know the the trailers and stuff they showed were just like oh man what is what yeah. is this? So you get to episode two and Boimler and Mariner have to take General Corin the Klingon down mm-hmm. to a planet. It doesn't matter what yeah. planet it is. None of the planets matter. Uh, Mariner, you find out is Corin's old friend, <laughs> and you start to get backstory here finally on some of the characters. Right? She yes. she drinks and fights and all sorts of stuff and Boimler's like how have you had time to do the, any of this you know become friends with the Klingon all that sort of stuff we're the same age um, but you kind of get the idea as they, they lose Corin because he's drunk and he he steals their shuttle goes that, off to do Klingon stuff goes off to yeah they, they have to follow him around town Boimler discovers that he has no experience outside the ship basically and uh, they get lost in a town, and Mariner keeps saving his butt all the time. Uh, and then, to make him feel better, stages an incident with a Ferengi, to <laughs> make, which is pretty funny. It was very funny. <laughs> Come this way, human. Yes. 
Uh, this guy seems very trustworthy. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, Mar- Mariner's like, <laughs> you're oh, trying to use stereotypes. Let's go with it. Yeah, don't stereotype him, man. Let's go this way. And he's like, what's your landing code? Hiss. <laughs> uh, at the same point, um, Rutherford, we get we get Rutherford, the engineer, mm-hmm. to finally take us around the ship. Yes. Like, the whole point of Rutherford's little... He, he wants to spend more time with Tendi, so he's, like, going to go through the divisions because he might change from engineering where he seems to love to be. Uh, right. Spoiler, he stays in engineering. But uh, they go around the ship, finally, and you get to meet all of the people in charge of the different sections of the ship. So you meet Shax, you meet uh, Ransom, you meet, you know, a uh, bunch, bunch of people. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. And Doctor. the the ship the ship there on the Cerritos uh, is captained by shoot what's her name? Um, it doesn't matter. The show's not about her. Uh, the 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 captain Carol Freeman. Is, Carol Freeman, thank you. Uh, is it, it's clear this is like the second class starship? You know? Oh no, they say it at the beginning. The, the first no, episode is about how they do second contact. Right, it's it's like a, it's, a, it's a funny like oh look haha remember first contact well this is like the B team the gets ba- gets the backup with the paperwork right like yeah they they go and they do all the paperwork they have them sign the documents you know they're, yeah. they're bringing supplies and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh and so like it's very clear that like these are the like not misfits that's the wrong word but this is this whole ship is like not you know it's not the uh, it's not the ship of the line. It's not the top sure. grade anything. Yeah. And everyone the, here is kind of like the screw ups of you, people that couldn't make it elsewhere. Did you also catch that they are California class ships? No, I did not. Oh, that's so good. They're California class ships and every single one of them is named after a city in California. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting that Cerritos would merit getting named. Uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> a lot of Cerritos. cities. In- there was... There was a I know lot where Cerritos of other is. Ones. I just mean there's a lot of cities. I you can't. Know? What was the one that was destroyed in ten? Solvang was the one that was destroyed yes. in, in the tenth episode. I assumed that those were writer jokes, being like people won't believe these are real places. Oh, really? Who believe the name Solvang is a real place? Yeah, I guess so. But the, uh, there's a couple others in the show, and I kept laughing every single time because uh, also the uh, it's a good good on them to. Uh, describe that it's a whole class because yeah. I noticed this throughout the show that they're all like, the same. There's a, it's a lot of ones that look the same. And yeah. I was like, this is them just saving animation budget to destroy the same ship over and over. So yeah, no, it's like, they're called them California class ships, which is great. It's great. Um, that is great. I did not know that. Well, to your point, the third episode is about literally about how they don't get respected. Uh, Cause it's the one where uh, captain Freeman institutes the, no break time no they, no uh what do they call it they, they use it they remove the buffer time buffer the time. time yeah like no more buffer time on the ship she sets agendas for everybody uh meanwhile they try to go do second com contact with delivering trinkets to a planet and people start to get tired and they mess up so uh they bring the wrong trinket to that planet and then uh the ship gets attacked while Ransom has to defeat 
somebody in in hand to hand combat. People, <laughs> the people at the planet attack them because the the trinket they bring is like offensive because oh, it's all, wood and they like crystals or and something they're on like the, that. They mix it up because everyone is too ha- too like harried and can't yeah. like spend any time to do anything correctly. The best part of that is the Boimler effect. Yes. Which becomes a thing through the rest of the show, which is Boimler gets a rule named after him accidentally that encourages crew members to take shortcuts, not blindly, blindly follow rules or build in buffer time when they de- when they deem fit. And it is the antithesis of what Boimler is. It's and literally does. the opposite because the entire <laughs> so episode good. as everyone is freaking out about the time, he's always ahead of schedule. And he loves it, and he's super happy, and is like, "Yes, this is great!" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's also the, the one that saves the ship by telling the captain, "You can't be on a schedule like everyone else." Like, that's not anyway. Oh, here's another one: USS Merced. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's another Cali class ship. Uh, I will. Uh, I will say. I think by the end of this temporal episode, yeah, I was on board. I was like, okay. I, I get this show. Yes. I see what it's doing. I, I like the characters enough yeah. now that I'm in for this, even though these are very silly. Yeah. Um, I am going to keep watching the show and be happy. I knew by the end of the Boimler effect episode that I was already smiling. Mm-hmm. My wife was into the show at that point. She was like, I like this. I'm like, okay. Even if it doesn't get any better than three, which spoiler alert, it does. It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, this is a fine show that makes me smile while I watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's end up how I treated it. I was like, ah, you know, I'm tired. I don't want to do anything today. It, like, you know, I get home, finish my work, and I was like, ah, I don't really want to do anything. You know what? I can put on a lower deck and have a good chuckle and be good for the night. Yeah. Side note: They have now started construction outside my house. <laughs> wonderful which, which is great um so i like i just mentioned the merced takes part in season or in episode four where they tow the generation ship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is another one that just kind of made me smile it didn't really like jump the shark or anything i guess yeah the <laughs> i uh, this episode I felt was a little bit more tendy heavy than it was some very of the other ones had been. Yeah, because she she messes up someone's spiritual ascension, which turns out to have been a lie. Anyway, right? Uh, yep. He just wanted attention because no one gets attention on the ship, which is pretty funny. He's like, only six or seven people get attention on a ship. The rest of us have to, you know, like float in the background. So I tried to make myself unique. Um. But the ships actually accidentally get terraformed. Yeah, because the generation ship is meant to like you know have this like special goop or whatever that the the people would use to terraform the planet that they find and are heading to, right? Yeah. Um, and the like one of the things that they're doing towing this ship is you know securing that goop so it doesn't get out of control. Um, well, of course it does. Right, yeah. Uh, they fix it through science-y stuff, much like they do in TNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode really is more about, like, telling you who the characters are. I think Tendi and Mariner than, than much of the plot. Because you get mm-hmm. Mariner demoted at the end of it when she keeps making fun of the Admiral saying censor. Yes. 
and Tendi has to watch the guy she's been bothering all episode go through a spontaneous and very painful ascension, apparently. Yeah, the, the uh, you know, they get to, uh, yeah, they work out their differences, right? Like, and he admits that it was fake anyway and all that stuff. Yeah. And then he ends up sacrificing himself to save Tendi, which is the ne- the thing he needed in order to actually ascend. And it turns out it was, like, super painful and maybe right. not something he wanted to do. Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then we get to episode five, and for me, begins the upward swing of this show. I think, of like, yeah, oh, I is- really liked five. five. Five, five is the beginning for me of just like this is getting better. Like they found, hmm, they found something. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um. So Boimler gets made fun of for a while that he has a fake girlfriend. They get to the, they get to meet up with another ship. I think it's the Vancouver, maybe another. Anyway, yeah, uh, I think it's Vancouver. So his girlfriend is on that ship. Mariner doesn't believe it, so they end up spending a ton of time together. Uh, uh, because Mariner Mar- assumes that yeah, it's a <laughs> yeah. The, the girlfriend is either a shape shifting alien possessed by some kind of parasite, right, or like has a like you know a like a space problem or something that is causing her to like boimler because how could someone how could pretty someone like intelligent <laughs> and and nice like boimler who is right. boring and dumb right exactly it's so good uh which of course leads to boimler becoming very insecure and acting ridiculous the entire episode trying to make sure that barb doesn't lose interest in him right uh so he wears like wacky clothes starts acting different which upsets barbara and like all sorts of stuff yep, um yep. they're trying to blow up a moon at the same time captain freeman's trying to like stop a moon from destroying a planet or something like that there's a moon that's going to hit a planet but the people on the moon are like you can't do this like this is our moon you know what are we going to do about like our people and how are we going to relocate them and all this stuff mm-hmm. and uh it, it like you know, like, oh, hey, like, implying that there's, like, a whole race of people on this moon or something. Right, yeah, we could just work it out. You know, we could figure this out. There's a way, the All Star, Starfleet always finds a compromise. No, you'll wipe everyone out. You'll wipe everyone out. Everyone will die. Other people live. And, they, and by the end of the episode, you find out uh, that the moon has, it's, what, two people? One, oh, it's well, literally it's one a bunch family. of rich people on it, right? Like, yeah. one family it, of rich people. So she just it, blows it, it up. And she just blows it up. <laughs> That's the compromise. Screw you, rich people. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, this whole episode is really good. And like, you know, Mariner constantly like trying to, you know, poke yeah. at Barb or whatever to try and figure out how or how she could possibly be interested in Boimler. And then by the end, Mariner and Barbara are friends. Well, like they they're fight. like, yeah, they fight a bunch and they like fight a bunch. They both think that they're trying to hurt Boimler. Um, and they're oh, everyone's wrong because they finally find the alien parasite that is causing one of them to fall in love with the other. And it's actually in Boimler, right? Yeah. It's Boimler. That has and, it, right? and so they think, Oh, uh, Barb leaves Boimler because she goes, Oh, I'm just not that attracted to you anymore. <laughs> no, no, it, it, wait, it was Barb who had the, who had the parasite. No, right? no, it was attached to Boimler. No, Boimler brought it, but she had, it, she was the one who had the, parasite in her right no boimler had it 
because she she scans Barb multiple times and never finds anything. And then they're when oh, they're no, w- you're right. You're when right. they're fighting, they accidentally scan Boimler, who's been knocked out the entire fight. Right. And they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, he has the <laughs> he had the it the whole right. time. And then she but it leaves, was influencing her. Right. She right. leaves Boimler because she's like, oh, like that was making it, me more attracted to you than I actually am. I still like you though, but you know, whatever. And yeah. then Barb and Mariner become really good friends. Yeah. Um. You also get this funny thing side story with the Vancouver. Where the Vancouver is one of those A, you know, A team ships, not a B team mm-hmm. ship, and right. the the lieutenant commander from that ship is trying to transfer over Tendi or Rutherford in order to be able to transfer to the Cerritos, where he doesn't have to do as much work. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty good story too. That whole is this? Oh, go ahead. That oh, let's just say that whole side story even is so good. Uh, I really th- is this the part where Rutherford and Tendi are both competing on the other ship to try and get the like fancy scanner to keep? Yes, so good. <laughs> They're both like the T eighty eight. Like, oh, it's got the purple I could do stripe. The purple stripe. I could do a hundred <laughs> tasks with this. It's so cool. <laughs> and then they're like, you know, the and then the the twist at the end being that like, ah, whichever one of you like, you know, gets to keep it. But what he actually meant is you get promoted to this ship. Yeah. And that's how you get to keep it. And this and is kind of like, where you find out the no. Cerritos is old and kind of falling apart. Right. Which is funny. Um, yeah. The next episode, they have to go, what, salvage a ship, I think it was is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's an old Starfleet ship, and they're, they're here to salvage it. It's really not a, as much of a point in the show. Show, I don't think this episode is really about the holodeck. Yeah, because right? they they just argue the whole time, and then the holodeck in, ends up influencing the the rest of the show. So, uh, how do you like Badgie? <laughs> not what a to, silly idea. Not to be left out from all the other shows' holodeck shenanigans. They create their own uh, villain on the holodeck. In Badgie, who Rutherford has created as a holographic assistant, played by um, what's his name, Jack McBriar. Yep, you know. Yep, who makes yeah. all the silly voices on a lot of different stuff. Um, hi, I'm Badgie. Hi, I'm Badgie. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> you have to turn the safeties off. Uh huh. Yeah. So they try and use Badgie to help them uh, do training, like- right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um they're doing like training or whatever with Badgie, different different exercises, and then the shields go down on the ship and the holodeck malfunctions when they get attacked and which causes mm-hmm. the safety protocols to go offline and Badgie becomes a homicidal murdering maniac. Yeah. He, <laughs> he really wants to he <laughs> he really wants to kill his father, uh Rutherford, who created him uh you know, in classic Liter- literary style, right? Right, like, of course. And he's just like a murderous, sentient badge with arms and legs. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the uh, it, the ship thing, the other ship thing goes out of control. I don't remember why, but takes out the, the enemy ship. They yep. beat up Badgie by freezing it, him? Yeah, don't they go to uh, 
they changed the program to like a frozen mountaintop and without the safeties, Badgie's uh, like freezes. Because <laughs> he has no blood or something. Right, right. And he's metal, you know. Yeah. And so he straight he straight up just like turns into an icicle um, and they leave him there. <laughs> and this is, is this the one where the guy Fletch is it their friend, right? Uh, Fletch. Yes creates some sort of brain core with isolinear chips or something. Uh, yes. Then it goes crazy and starts picking up stuff around the ship. And then they shoot it at the Drakmani ship. And that's, that's the thing that, yeah, is like, you know, they're fighting on the ship and causes the ship to go crazy. Yeah. Which is why the, the holodeck malfunctions. And I remember this, I remember this being the first episode where we hear USS Titan. It is because that's yes. where Fletcher gets transferred and then fired. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he gets transferred because of his you know great job saving the ship and right. all this stuff. Turns out uh, he gets no, <laughs> and and then he go, he's there and it turns out that it's terrible uh, and he gets discharged. <laughs> yeah, uh, my second favorite episode, maybe my third fra- favorite, is number seven. Yes, this was uh, a very good one, which creates a new as far as i understand it or maybe i just didn't look it up section 14 is section 14 new mm, i don't know star trek tell you memory alpha oh god so section 14 is or division 14 is what it's called not section 14 i'm pretty sure created by this show yes which I is a it is which is a specialized division for mysterious science and medical problems afflict- afflicting Starfleet personnel. I mean, it's very clear what... Uh, it, it's the joke section they made up to handle the fact that all these other shows create these horrible monsters uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then never deal uh-huh. with it. <laughs> all these accidents that have happened in Star Trek basically are handled by these people. <laughs> it's, like, really good because and they the bring way- in so many reference this we keep forgetting okay, to so, mention uh, it. we didn't we didn't even talk about it yeah this entire show is literally chock full of Every references to minutes. weird stuff from obscure parts of star trek all over the like, place aliens from the original series show up a bunch of times there's a bunch of references to like one-off uh episodes of tng and ds9 and like even weirder parts of Star Trek that like never show up in uh, actual like screen, mm-hmm. and you could tell. Uh, and maybe this is it's easier to do in an animated show than it is in like oh, a thousand live percent, show, right? Yeah, because you don't have to find the right people and you don't have to do any of that stuff. But like the the writers are just like, let's just do fan service every episode. Every episode is fan service now. We're but just, it's not even that bad fan service stuff. No, it's no, literally it's, it's asides. Good, it's good fan service. Because yeah, it's just it's, asides. It's not the story. It's not like Star Wars style fan service where you, you have to I, wade through a story of fan service. It's just asides. I don't mean to imply that it is bad. It right. is very, very good. Yeah. And it is done because the show itself is interesting and fun. Even if you don't get any of these Yep, you have to get none of the references. But when you show up on the Division 14 ship in this episode 
and you've got the guy that got turned into a fish or whatever because the transporter unevolved him. I can't remember what that's from, but I remember it happening. Yep, that happened. There was uh, a, um, I think it was a TNG episode. Yeah, the guy gets unevolved back to like the original life on Earth state or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just sitting there, and yeah, if you did it in a non-animated, you'd have to find a way to make that look good nowadays. And like, right. no, nah, in animated, you just draw the thing, right? So in this one, Boimler gets uh, phased by a new transporter upgrade. Right, glowing Rutherford blue. is working. Yeah, and ringing the whole and time. <laughs> he's, he's making a high-pitched ringing sound. Like that kind of like half of the sound that the transporter makes, he's making the whole time. Yeah. And then Tendi Super also, annoying. Oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> he tries to go to the bridge and pretend nothing's wrong, and people are like, what are you doing? Stop that. Get out of here. <laughs> Tendi also creates something called Dog. Uh, yeah. Which is it this definitely- nightmarish freak of a... Uh, bioengineered thing uh tendy says that it's a normal dog and she pets it and it it talks to her Uh uh-huh uh it talks oh that's weird uh and then as every time when tendy turns her back it it like contorts into a nightmare creature (laughs) it does yeah its head opens up its eyes float away It, it can fly it's like yeah it's nightmare creature so they send dog and Boimler with section 14 on the USS Osler to be taken to what they call the, the farm. farm. And everyone's like, there's no farm. So you, this the, is where you this... meet all the other references from every episode of everybody that gets, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a lot of like, ah, this is the, this is the character from this tra- horrible transporter accident. This yeah. is a character from something that happened in the original series where they, this person is half old man, half young man. And this is like, you know, and the, yeah. the whole bunch of like space accidents and right. horrible maladies. So they, they think there's no farm. So they try to mutiny. Boimler right. being Boimler <laughs> betrays, betrays them. them to the captain. <laughs> and because, because he's recovered, right? He, he no longer, um, he knows yeah, he's even, no longer phasing, so he's like, I don't, I don't want to take over this ship and get stuck with the freaks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they, they, the patients still try to blow him out of an airlock, but when the right. airlock opens, they're actually at the spa planet where there is a farm, and there are and even more references to Star Trek problems like um, Captain Pike's chair and stuff like that. I was going to say, there's a whole bunch of references in this episode to like really old or like not just old but like famous star trek episodes where horrible accidents happen right yeah (laughs) it's really good it's really really good dog flies away yep um and there's a whole subplot we haven't talked about where mariner's friend shows up to take command of the cerritos for a little bit mariner's friend from the academy who's already a captain uh so Mariner pretends to be incompetent the entire time, but then shows that she's a real like badass later in the show where she fights off a space born entity that has tried to take over the another mm-hmm. ship. But she, pre- yeah, she, you know, you finally get like 
the inside scoop on she pretends to be incompetent all the time because she doesn't want to get promoted and she doesn't want to get transferred or all that sort of stuff and her her friend you know when they were you know they have a lot of stories about when they were in school and all this stuff and how mariner was like you know gonna be the best one and all these things yeah best in her class that kind of thing and the the captain is like you know clearly mariner is like you know the greatest the the greatest yeah why wouldn't you want that captain has the like the a team with her (laughs) the vulcan and the pretty funny yeah it was good uh and then you know at the end mariner you know does the mariner thing and shows that actually she's super competent but she really just wants to be in the lower decks yeah all right so there's a tie-in to the previous episode where they've stolen a bird of prey i guess or something no yeah no Maybe I don't remember. They, they this, don't, they which don't, one's this one? They this, don't explain it, man. This, this is the, the one memory where, problem it, one where they're on trial or something. Yes. Okay. Yes. This whole one is set up like the. It's like the trial from Star Trek Five. Six. Star six. Trek Six. Star Trek Six. Right. The one where Kirk and it looks uh, exactly the same as the trial Rura from Pente. Star Trek. Yes, and yeah. that's the other. That's a reference, right? Like it's supposed they to talk look about like that. it. Yeah. Yeah, they talk about it. It looks exactly like that trial the whole time. It's great. It's really good. Uh, You know, he demands the uh, he demands that they give testimony about the crew and so tell us what happened. Mariner, Boimler, Tendi and Rutherford are all being questioned, right? They're just there being questioned Mm -hmm. while the captain and the rest of the upper decks people are suspended above them quote unquote right. on trial so they tell a story about they, none of they the people know what's going on except for rutherford and tendy is that right yes yeah so, the, uh yeah the, they rutherford remembers he was assigned to this secret mission but like was not able to talk about it or something Right. right, but they stole a bird, of, a Romulan bird of prey. Yeah, and then Tendi takes over and talks about how she was mistaken for being the cleaner <laughs> by mm-hmm. ransom. So yep. she gets brought on a covert mission on board the bird of prey, where they steal a big box from Romulus. Uh, which leads to them sound you know like this this guy that's questioning them thinks he's like that couldn't be this, this none of this is possible you guys are making it sound like starfleet's a joke and nobody knows what they're doing we all know that starfleet is great and that they all know what they're doing all the time and boy was like nah man actually <laughs> <laughs> he, uh starts talking about like the weird times where q showed up on the wrong place or yeah all this stuff. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, then he points out a bunch of stuff and they do the like cutaways with really funny animated versions of old stuff that has happened in other episodes. Yep. And then um, the guy that's questioning them, it acts really confused. And then you come to find out that he's actually having a party. He's not questioning anybody. Everyone's there just enjoying what they deem to be a party, I guess. It's, it's what this guy's party is, I guess. Yeah. yeah th- this is a, something for his race. You talk into the horn and you, you know, yeah. spout your accomplishments and then uh, write it on the wall or something. And then it turns out that his time is up and the, the party <laughs> venue is being reused and they have to leave. Yep. 
Q tries to show up, which is a good reference. Mm-hmm. But it uh, doesn't work out. <laughs> nope. Pretty good. Get out of here, Q. We're leaving. Yeah. Pretty good <laughs> reference for Q. Oh, boy. And then we get to the last two, which are kind of like set apart, I think, from the rest of the antics of the series. Um, yeah. These and- are the closest there is to like a... Um, real show connected and connected episode thing yeah um boimler gets uh, he creates like a, a a simulation of the crew on the holodeck because he tries to perfect his interactions especially with the captain because he's going to do an interview mm-hmm. um he, he has like a review or like a uh um, he's up for a promotion I performance think. yeah 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 um F- freeman sends Mariner to therapy for messing around on a planet because she. Yeah. Uh, she is like, I don't know what the, uh, because, uh, I, I can't remember why she gets de- like almost demoted and then sent to therapy, but there's a problem. Well, I think Freeman starts, starts talking with her. Right. And is like, Hey, you constantly act out. You're never following my orders. You do all this stuff that's like but they're on a the planet. Oh no, no, it was um. They're on. They're on that planet with the computer thing. Right at the beginning of this, they they're all worshiping the computer again on that planet oh, from right. yes. from the original Star Trek, and she's yes. back on the planet. No, no, that's the next episode. Sorry, that's the next, episode, the next yeah. one. So she does something. I can't remember what she does, but like she blows off orders and she's doing something wrong. And so she, like, okay. I mean, that's, and that's, yeah, she does well, that so, every time. So. so Mariner was like, okay, fine, like demote me or send me away or whatever. She's like, no, nah, I'm sending you to therapy. And she gets really mad. And oh, then, right. Because the therapist, like, is an idiot. The therapist right? like, only uses food references. There's stuff. metaphors about food. Always. Yeah, that, and Mariner yeah. hates it. Oh, yeah. So she's like, I'm I'm punishing you by keeping you here, basically, was her point. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So she takes over Boimler's program and turns it into a movie, which is the rest of the episode. Yes. Um, which ends up being therapy for her in the end, right? But she plays Vindicta, who tries to take over the Cerritos. Oh, well, uh, hold on. Let's like set the stage a little bit. Okay, Boimler. Sorry, sorry. Boimler created a simulation of every person yeah, in yeah. the Cerritos by yeah. using all of their personal logs. Their personal logs, like, that's the thing. Yeah. A major violation of like privacy and all this stuff, right? It's pretty good. And so like everyone would act and like, you know, you know, uh be sort of who they are. Right. So that's their setup for saying like, hey, we can get all these characters to act the way they normally would in these situations. Because Boimler programmed them all with the pers- their and personal logs. This is a really good episode because it, it takes a ridiculous premise and it actually gives you the most character-centric episode of the entire show. Especially yes. for Mariner, who Absolutely, you know, obviously yeah. is one of the two main characters. It's Boimler and Mariner. Right. Um, Boimler joins the, the captain and the holographic crew instead of joining, joining uh, Mariner on her pirate raiding ship. Yeah, the idea was that, like, you know, Mariner is so mad at, at the captain. She's going to blow the, up the Cerritos and kill she's everyone. She's play the villains, right? Yeah. And everyone's going to, you know, join her as Vindicta. And, like, yeah. they're going to have an encounter and blow up the Cerritos. And everyone's going to feel better because they got to kill everyone. Right. Fake everyone. 
Uh, uh, but Boimler's like, no. And he yeah. goes and joins the bridge crew of the holograms instead right. of his friends. Exactly. So good. And so she has a fake Boimler who's an idiot. Yeah. Her, her like, like fake tea. sidekick Boimler is like a complete moron. Yeah. <laughs> Rutherford and Tendy start off on Mariner's crew. Um, Rutherford just loves the Cerritos so much that he switches sides mid episode. And Tendy. Uh, is a really good moment here where Mariner keeps making Tendi be like some violent Orion pirate, pirate. and she doesn't yeah. want to be. And she keeps telling her that she doesn't like that. Mariner doesn't listen because that's part of her behavior. Right. And then eventually right. Tendi says, this is disturbing and like not cool. And she leaves the program and we finally get arch. I I was so happy when they were like arch and the arch shows up. I was like, yes, cool. Yep. Such a good reference also. Um, and but. And at the end, I think you you find out that, like, yeah, actually, that is Tendy's, <laughs> like, um, her, like the the what's the word the, the uh, stereotype stereotype of her fits. of her race, yeah, sure, yeah. but she doesn't want to be stereotyped, and that's a big yeah. thing. Uh, Mariner yeah. basically blows up the Cerritos, um, almost killing fake Captain Freeman, mm-hmm. but then has to fight the crew version of Mariner. Uh, right, and yeah, she basically the, goes to therapy at that point. And you know, she she fighting herself, you know, allows her to work out her issues, um, such as they are. Yeah, and uh, ends up, you know, sort of saving the ship or saving the crew anyway. Um, and Mariner goes, oh, you know, this was great, and then is done. Boimler has stayed behind a little bit, though. Oh yeah, the two great moments here were. He tries to find out stuff from Ransom, and Ransom says that he should bake the Captain cookies, but she's allergic to, and then gets cut off. Yeah, he, yeah, he don't he passes out, so you don't hear what. It <laughs> so was. good, and then uh, and then he stays behind to try and interview with the captain, and finds out that Freeman is Mariner's mother, which had been a big secret this whole show. No one knew, right? And you're definitely like the the captain, the hologram captain here in the in the holodeck is giving a speech of like Mariner selflessly saved us from this evil vindicta and yeah. like all this stuff. And, and no one ever would have known that she was my daughter. And then one yeah. was like, what? <laughs> so then he flunks his interview because he's freaked out. <laughs> yeah. He's panicked. And so then we interview goes to the actual interview. He's like, uh, um, uh, uh, and then runs away. And she's yeah. like, he's terrible. He didn't do any preparation. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Okay, and so we get to episode 10, which is directly related. Mm-hmm. Man, they went, they pulled out every stop on this one, literally. This episode, uh, called No Small Parts, is amazing. I truly enjoyed watching it. Everything that happened is fun. I would I will I will rewatch this episode for sure. Yes. This is this enters the Star Trek canon for me as a top top tier episode of Star Trek. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, um Boimler has decided he's going to be more like Mariner. Yep. Because well, <laughs> two reasons. One, he wants to be more Worldwise, but the other is <laughs> he's protected in his mind because he's friends with Mariner, so he can't be 
yeah, you know, he can't fired. Get in trouble. He, he can't get in he's trouble. He's friends with the captain's he's daughter. He's friends with the captain's daughter. Exactly. Uh, so they, they're messing around on that planet that I was mentioning, uh, with where they started worshiping the computer and sacrificing people again during the red hour, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, he leaves his comm badge open because they're still on the planet and they're trying to get a hold of them. And he accidentally blurts out, well, I'm protected because you're the captain's daughter and And everyone on the ship hears it. (laughs) And Captain Freeman is super pissed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Do we need to talk about the exocomp? It's not really that important, but no. it was funny. Peanut, it was funny. Peanut hamper. Peanut hamper. Yeah. They could have, I guess they put it in there to make Tendi feel some sort of something. I don't know. It's uh, something for Tendi to do in the episode. She's kind of a, an aside character in this one. Yeah. The little like robot friend that she makes here this exocomp uh named peanut hamper is who does everything better than her right right it's like showing her up literally at every possible thing right she's in the medical bay doing some stuff and the uh head doctor is like tendy go stand over here no one wants to talk to you this exocomp is way better well it turns out by the end that the exocomp is a computer and has no interest in helping the crew other than showing off right so like that's the end of that and it like you know doesn't want to be a sa- like when it could save the day it chooses it not to because it sounds sounds yeah. dangerous so, right yeah so the solvang at the beginning of this is destroyed by a mysterious ship right um and so they go to investigate they go to investigate and they're destroy they find out that the pack led who haven't been mentioned in star trek in how long i don't know dude i mean one so episode long. One they episode of Star Trek. I knew they were a reference to something, and I didn't remember what uh, at the time. But yeah, I think it's a, there's one episode, maybe where they're, they're like scavenging parts from other starships and like maybe glomping them on. I know they're in TNG, but maybe they're in a DS9 episode. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't think so. I either. just remember I them just being a one, episode. a one episode of TNG. Yeah. Um. Anyway, they're scavengers. They're really kind of one of the jokes of Star Trek. They look ridiculous. Yes, they do. Even more ridiculous in real life than they do in the show, by the way. If you haven't seen a pack led, go look up the picture of them from TNG. They look it's silly, silly to say this, but they look stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're kind of like a, the butt of the joke. Well, it turns out if you're scavengers for 25, 30 years and no one's paying attention to you, you might have scavenged, scavenged some good equipment. So this show mm-hmm. decided to say the packleds are uh are ripping apart, you know, battleships and stuff because they've gotten like really good gear they've scavenged. And now have like, you know, they have a uh what's the word? They're they have a vendetta against the Enterprise, right? Because they remember <laughs> what so happened good. at the end of that episode. So good. And the, every battleship that shows up, they're like Enterprise. Enterprise. <laughs> We have you now, Enterprise. We're like, like we're, we're not, not the Enterprise. Enterprise. <laughs> and they're like, yes, you are. You can't trick us. <laughs> so good. Shooting them. Because they're still dumb. They're still like, they're, they're not so smart. Dumb. Uh, so they tear up. Cerritos shows up to try and find out what happened to the Solvang, which uh, was destroyed like when the captain tried to take destroyed. it to warp. Um, right. So Freeman figures out that that's probably what happened to the Solvang. So they shut down the warp engine before it explodes. 
and she saves the day, but the warp engine gets ripped off, and they have to try and somehow fight off this crazy packled ship that is now tearing apart the Cerritos parts. Literally, there are lasers cutting parts of it off and arms ripping off chunks and stuff. So Rutherford figures out they can use Badgie... To upload a virus. To create and upload a virus to the other ship because the other ship will doesn't have any protection from viruses because it will have to well, because accept not, parts from so many different races that it'll have to be an open system. An open system. Yeah, exactly. Which is... Eh, okay, sure. You know, well, considering we spent all of Discovery being like, this is not how computers work. This right. is, however, somewhat how computers work. Yeah, exactly. It, it would make sense that with all these conglomerations of technologies, you'd sort of have to be like... You'd be running a more like a Unix operating... Like, who even cares about that stuff? Yeah. It would be a lot of, like, hacked together stuff right. to make so these things work together. there'd be tons of holes. Yeah, for, there'd be tons yeah. of holes. That makes yeah. sense. Uh, the only part of the story that matters, Peanut Hamper won't do the virus, so Shaq's... Uh, Rutherford sticks the virus in his head... Right, and says, I, I can, I can download and it, I can do it. But we got to get there. So Shax slams a shuttle through the backledge ship. So good. I This is like, this whole episode has like a lot of great Shax stuff. And you've seen him here and there throughout oh, the yeah. episode. Oh, yeah, we just we don't really talk about him very much. Shax is, is a good character. Look, like, like we said, it's lower decks, right? So, yeah, right. R- r- the captain figures a lot because they accidentally run into the captain a lot. But like Ransom, yeah, uh, Ransom ta- shows Ta'ana, up in every episode. Taana, the, the cap, the medical doctor, Shacks, right? None of those guys have leading roles. They're they're great support characters. They, like Ransom, they show up at, Shax, and are great, and and Ta'ana are in most of the episodes. But usually they're there to bounce something off of for the main characters, right? Um, there are episodes like Ransom's episode where he has to fight the the hand-to-hand combat thing is a ransom-centered episode where you kind of get who he is and it kind of affects Mariner wanting to help the ship more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Shaxx here so then, saves the day. Uh, I, ba- <laughs> the scene where he just decides is like, all right, Rutherford, we're doing he this. Grabs he grabs him and picks throws him, up him and into the throws shuttle. Him into the broken he, shuttle they've been working on. This episode, like it says, no small parts. They take every little thing from the entire. So the the shuttle they fly over there is the shuttle that these lower decks guys have been working on repairing the entire show. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah. When you see uh, Rutherford and um, Tendi, sometimes they're in that bay working on that shuttle, like you know calibrating conduits and yeah whatever it's really good at bringing the whole thing together really good and so uh they get there badgie uploads the virus but stops no in order to in order to create the virus he has to disable um badgie's safety protocols right right? so so badgie then won't finish downloading the virus until the pack leads kill rutherford yep He's like, I, I'm going to stop until they kill you, and then I'll blow up their ship. Uh, so, to make it work, R- Rutherford engages, somebody engages the self-destruct to make it work. No, 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 Badgie uploads the virus and then turns on the PacLed self-destruct. Okay, right? right, because they're not getting through Shaxx or something like right, that. Right, right. And, and so, so Shaxx 
tears so off then, Rutherford's implants in order to well, disconnect that, him from the computer? Yeah, so bad so then Badgie's like, I'm gonna blow this ship up and kill you and me right. and do what you told me, right? Like right. all at the same time. And Shaq saves Rutherford by tearing his cybernetic implants oh. out and throwing him into the shuttle. Throwing him into the shuttle and then shoving the shuttle out of the ship. Kick, literally kicking the shuttle out of the out of the ship and sacrificing himself to you know, in the explosion. And then yeah, Shax unfortunately perishes in the explosion, which I didn't know if this is a direct reference to TNG, Ooh. but the first character really dying on the show being the security officer is kind of reminiscent uh, of that. It it must have been on purpose. Right. Based on the way this episode and a lot of the other things in this show are so deeply rooted in very, like, minutia of Star Trek, Yeah, they can't have done it this way not on purpose. Right. Like, because they could have picked any character to have done this, right? It could have been, why not Ransom? Right. Why, why not, um, you know, the, any of like Tiana, any of the other ones, right? Why this guy? Um, you know, and, uh, you get a good callback here as Shax is saving Rutherford, um, because when Rutherford worked for the, the security team, right? He became one of the bears, the bears, their whole thing. That was their whole thing, That's and he's so like, good. "Papa Bear will save you." <laughs> and yeah. He like, you know, throws him into the shuttle and kicks the shuttle out. So um, good, so good, man. Um, yeah. So they have a, um, a that episode where he moves around Jax. departments is so good. Oh yeah. It, oh yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, I guess we didn't say. Well, like, yeah. So the USS Titan Pac-Lids, shows up. Well, so more Pacleds show up. Um, the Cerritos has already sent out a distress call, and as the Pacleds show up and they have no idea what they're gonna do. The Titan arrives. Yes. And uh, Will Riker is in command of the Titan at this point mm-hmm. in the history of the show. Apparently. And, and uh, they turns out that the California class might be a little bit underpowered compared to the Luna class. Yeah, you think. So the, uh, Lu- the Luna class ship shows up and uh, obliterates the Packlets. literally just blows them all up (laughs) just like poof (laughs) yeah Riker is in charge of that ship it's amazing watching him and Troy and I guess they got obviously they got the people yeah I was gonna say the you know Riker is the captain and Troy is is right there next to him so they got freaks and um what's her name I'm so sorry uh Certus Certus yeah Certus I forget her Mariana Mm -hmm. Marina Certus I think so they got them to do their characters on the bridge there for a minute or two, which is pretty great. It and, was fun uh, to see animated Riker do oh, the dude. like Riker thing. Do Riker yeah. stuff. It was very silly. It's good. so silly and so good at the same time. Uh, they hold a funeral for, funeral for Shax. Rutherford has lost all his memory from the implant. Um, and Freeman and Mariner decide they're going to work together. My guess is that Mariner gets promoted to security here at the next season. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Certainly could be. Um, She's good at it. Know, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, at the end of all of this, uh, you know, we see Freeman and uh, the captain and her daughter finally make some peace, right? They shake hands and are like, while the ship is being rebuilt, 
Um, you know, they shake hands. And, oh, we didn't even uh, talk about the episode with the uh, which one's the episode where they they're at space dock. Isn't it this part right here? Is it this one where they where they have the like ten minute going around the ship scene? No, it's another episode. I can't remember which one it is. It's not here, I don't think, because the ship is okay. still under construction. But at one point in the show, the there's the you know how when the Enterprise gets rebuilt into the Enterprise A, right? That movie where they show up and they're watching they're like they come out from underneath another ship and the music swells and they they fly around the Enterprise A and you get all these beautiful beauty shots of it. They redid that in one of these episodes for the Cerritos and I can't remember which one it was because people should watch that too. Mm. I can't remember. Is it not here? It's, it's not, not here. 10 minutes long because no, it's, it's a, not. It's a, it's a quick series of shots. Yeah. But it's the, the joke is that it's much longer than it was in the movie. I'll have to find it. Yeah. I don't remember find where it, it is. I remember, the, I remember the scene you're talking about. Because they sure. play the music and it just keeps going and going and going. Yes. Yes, it does. It's very good. Um, and the last scene of this one is Boimler on the Titan. So, Bo- so again, There's at a the really start good, of this, Oh, we right? missed the scene with uh, after Shax's funeral. Riker is on board the, the Cerritos and uh, in the bar <laughs> hanging out. Yeah, and he and Mariner are getting along. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, at some point he comes over and is like, "Boimler, how would you like to be?" Oh, he's like, know? "I heard your, I heard your, your friends with Mariner." Well, and, like, are- he's like, "I heard you're like a grade A guy," and he hands him a pad. And then you find out that he's been promoted to the Titan. Yes, and, and so the end of the season, you see Boimler ignoring on the Titan. Mariner. <laughs> Yeah, ignoring Mariner's uh, calls. Constant and, calls, it appears. Yes, and is being a... Uh, he's acting more like Mariner on the Titan, right? You can tell because like his friends... He has friends on the Titan who are like, oh, wow, that's so cool that you did all these things. Like, Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's what Boimler does, which is not what Boimler does. No. Nope. <laughs> oh. oh, man. And then the uh, show ends on my, five, my favorite line that you hated. <laughs> He tells Boimler to take it to warp a five, six, seven, eight. Uh, <laughs> so dumb. So dumb uh, well, uh, Troy agrees with you. She goes, not with the jazz again. I know. It really is. Oh, so good, though. It I, was a great callback to Riker's stuff. I yeah, just hate it. I loved... <laughs> I loved this episode. I loved it. It was really, really good. Really good. Easily the best one of this show. And there are several good ones. Again, mm-hmm. I think the back half uh, kind of is better than the front half. Absolutely. But you need the front half. Yeah. I, I totally. Totally. I, I'm not saying people should watch. If you like Star Trek, you can watch all of this and be perfectly happy. Uh, I think that anyone could watch some of these last ones and enjoy them. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of them are. They're a little bit more dependent on on the early, especially this last one where it takes a lot of the parts from the mm-hmm. from the earlier parts of the show. And you, you, but they're all callbacks in the in a very light way, right? Like it doesn't matter what shuttle they took; 
if you don't care. Right, right. But it's cool to see that it was the shuttle they were working on the whole show. Yep. You know? It, it is. There are so many callbacks in this episode to random things that happen throughout both Star Trek history and this show. It's honestly impressive. Like, you can get the there characters is, by the end. Yeah. Because we've only lost Shaq, so you'll see the rest of them again. Any thoughts on... I mean... Um, it's I not mean, called the am, USS Cerritos, so we might see the Titan for a while. Well, so I, uh, or does what happened to um, Fletcher or whatever happened <laughs> to Boimler, and he gets demoted back to the Cerritos, or you know, I mean, he's a competent officer, right? So unlikely he gets demoted by incompetence. Well, but he's acting; he's trying to act more like Mariner now. So uh, that maybe be, he gets demoted because he does a Mariner thing. Yeah, he does a Mariner thing, and Riker's like, I'm not putting up with this shit. Get out of here. And then he's immediately <laughs> sent back to the Cerritos. Yeah. We um, never talked uh, about who it. Knows? Who we knows? We never talked about it. What do you think of the... We've 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 graded the opening for all Star Trek shows, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of the opening to this show, where the meteor hits the ship, and they almost fall in the black hole, and I, the thing is sucking um, on the, the nacelle? I won't lie to you. Uh, I skipped the opening nearly every time. I did, too. So I, uh, uh, it's fine. Like it, it fits the themes of this show. In it was that. funny the first time, or and yeah. the second time, and amusing the third time, and then by then I started skipping it. It's like a lot of um, semi madcap comedy, uh, which is sort of the theme of this show, anyway. So yeah, it I, just doesn't I, have I the same. It doesn't have the same like music cues. It doesn't have the same visual cues. It's a lot shorter, and so yeah. it just feels much yeah, way more shorter. of a space saver than. Well, you know, it is. It is a shorter show. It is a you know the, the like absolutely yeah the the stirring orchestral soundtracks of some of these other ones don't make any sense in this show because it's not that kind of a show. Like, there's right. no reason to like have a like triumphant orchestral score when right, nothing sure. that's going on here is a triumph. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, I, uh, it's fine. You know, I think it's a good, uh, it is good for what this show is. The first time I saw it though, I will say I had the like distinct worry that they are Rick and Mortying this show mm-hmm. because it feels a lot like the Rick and Morty opening Sure. Also because of the animation, but because the hijinks are so ridiculous in they it. They are pretty high level hijinks. Um, um but it turns out the show is also doing those hijinks and it can still somehow make them into Star Trek things. So I was okay with it. Yeah. I th- I think I agree. I uh I'm surprised that it's that short. But I think there's new episodes already in the works. I think uh, ten, 10 episodes is about the length you get of a season these days, if anything. Which is fine. I, I'm not worried yeah. about it. Um, yeah. Hopefully that means the seasons can come quickly instead of two, you know, like a year and a half in between. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I know they said they're doing another one, but I don't know if they, had they already said when. CBS had already bought like 20-something episodes. Okay. That was what I was trying to find. I was trying to see if there was someone said that like there were episodes that had been ordered. Um, hmm. I believe Metacritic doesn't think very highly of this show. 
That's interesting. I think that if you weren't a Star Trek person and you watched it, you wouldn't like it nearly as much. Which is weird, right? Because, like, that must be rated on the early episodes where they're kind of a lot slower and not the later ones because... And that's probably how most of that stuff works. I don't know. It's a yeah. great it's a great return to animation considering how bad the animated series was in the 70s. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a little yeah. bit more adult. I guess we got some news about about another animated show because this one I wouldn't show to my kids, but it sounds like Kate Mulgrew is going to return for a show called Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah, I know nothing about Literally that nothing, show. right? Like, there's no They're just news like, yeah, that maybe it's on Nickelodeon. Janeway's in it. It's on Nickelodeon. Janeway's in it. That's all we got. Okay, Star Trek Prodigy. An upcoming animated show. Catherine Janeway will star. That's mm. it. That's all that's on this page. That's all we know. That's it. That's it. Uh, it's going to be CG animation. I don't... Okay. I don't know. There's like nothing on here about what, what this is about. Mm-hmm. Anyway. We'll see. We will see. I will watch more of this. Especially if it's going to take off from the end of the series and not try to mimic the beginning of the series. Yeah. It's a... Uh... It. I am so curious to hear what they plan to do with the next season. Right. So, I mean, it, it certainly sounds like they already have a plan for it. But yes. They've been working on it they've for a while. They've been working on so, it already. Um, so that's good. Yeah. I don't know how many episodes or anything. They don't list it anywhere that I've seen. But I know they had, had thought about something in the area of 20 episodes-ish. So. Yeah. So... It, there is certainly some kind of arc here that they are attempting. Uh, I, I, I am in yeah. at this point. That's I will neat. absolutely watch another season whenever they put it out. I'm guessing it'll be next year. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Well, great job, Lower Decks. Yeah. And if you stuff. guys remember what episode that scene that I'm talking about is in, <laughs> email us. Yeah, you can send those to podcast at wewergamers.com. Put subspace transmissions in the title so we'll know. But uh, we will absolutely love to hear your thoughts about Lower Decks and other Star Trek stuff. Uh, I want to know what you people think about that Picard book, if you have read it also. Send that in. Yeah, if if you have different thoughts about that Picard book, I would gladly hear them. I, I read it. I tried to keep an open mind the whole time. I actually enjoyed it. But there's issues of there of like, why isn't this the show? Why wasn't this the beginning of the show? And so, uh, you know, if you have different thoughts on it and you want to email us, do that. Yeah, please. Did you uh, notice you that Riker was in the um, t- the uh, movie Enterprise uniforms and the Cerritos oh, was yeah. not? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's a just showing you even more how behind the times the Cerritos is, right? Starfleet has new uniforms, and they're not even distributing them to the Cerritos. <laughs> they have literal replicators, and everyone could get them instantly, but no. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
So uh, follow this show on YouTube and follow us on Instagram and Twitter and all the other places we are. Uh, this podcast is available on fine podcasting devices. And we would love to have you wherever it is you would love to have us. All right, I found a list of all the the names that they used for the Cali class. Okay. Cerritos. Yep. Merced. Yep. Solvang. Mm-hmm. Rubido. Uh, I don't know where Rubido is. Uh, it must be in California. That's unincorporated community in Riverside. Okay. And Alhambra. Uh, my mother is from Alhambra. There you go. That's all the names for the, the five names of the Cali class right now. Those are, are, it's funny that those are the ones they've picked because all of those are definitely like B and C tier cities. That you'd have to be from California to be like, I know that. I know where Merced is. Yeah. No one goes to Merced. Like no one is like, I'm taking a vacation to Merced. Merced. Yeah. <laughs> Solvang, like that's yeah. not the places anyone picks. Yeah, pretty good. It's funny you because drive you think through the Cali them on the class way to other would be places. like Los Angeles. It's like no, nah, yeah. nah, nah. <laughs> the next the next one will be like Vacaville or something. <laughs> Trucky. <laughs> oh, that's a good one too. It's trying to think yeah, about Trucky counts. Truckies? That's on on the our side of the border, right? It is. Yeah, it okay. is. It is. I, I've driven through it. Uh. What are some other like Fresno? Fresno's too known. Fresno's even too big. Yeah, yeah. It'd be more like Temecula. USS yeah. Temecula. Clovis. <laughs> USS Escondido. I'm trying to think of more in Northern California because I know the like the Southern California ones because I live here. Oh, uh, you like, could get I'm to, like, to think of like like the USS Saint Helena or. Yeah. What's the Healdsburg. city? What's the city just outside of Sacramento? Uh, uh, Folsom. Folsom Prison. There you go. There you go. That would be a good one. USS That'd Folsom. Be, there you go. That, that would, would be, be the... One. That's the episode with the uh, the bad guys. Like Just like in uh, Voyager, you know? They have the bad guy ship. of. Mm, mm-hmm. So the Folsom is the, the guys that have gone rogue. The bad guy ship. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love it.